0: the usual thing is people kind of start their day and they're like okay today i'm going to try and exercise today i'm going to try and finish early to have date night with my partner or whatever it may be but then life gets in the way it gets busy and they have to cancel and then today turns in tomorrow that approach just doesn't work and that's why we need to flip it on its head and we need to instead start by thinking about what are the things in your life that matters most <laughs>
1: You're listening to the B2B Growth Think Tank, the show that brings you the virtual hot seat where each week my expert guests and I help another business leader by masterminding actionable solutions to a specific challenge they're currently trying to solve in their business. So if you're looking for answers to a specific challenge that you're facing, that if you could solve in the next 90 days would have a huge impact on your growth, send it in to thinktank at thinkmakerfish.co.uk and we'll see if we can feature you on the show my name is adam king your host and the captain of the ship of growth consultancy think like a fish and if you're ready to rethink what's possible for your business and discover the growth strategies advice and insight to turn this new vision into a reality let's get started Hey, Adam here, and thanks very much for tuning in. And as you are, I'm going to make the assumption that you are responsible for generating revenue for an established B2B professional service business, and you're looking to grow your revenue. So... What I've got for you, you're going to absolutely love because I've recently released my new revenue multiplier calculator and bonus training where using this tool and following the training, you'll discover how to uncover the hidden revenue opportunities in your business and be able to systemize your growth using seven revenue multipliers that can double your business in 12 months or less. So if you want to go and grab your copy, go to thinklikeafish.co.uk forward slash calculator. Now on to today's episode. Hello. Welcome to the B2B Growth Think Tank. Before I reveal the name to the voice that you're about to hear, I just want to sort of uh, give him a bit of an introduction and set the scene a little bit because running a business, it's no walk in the park. It's a dream for many of us. And when you finally take the plunge, you do tend to face all kinds of new challenges every single day. And there's plenty out there about these kinds of things. Yet what you don't see a lot of people talking about is the other dark side of, uh, of running a business. And I had to get dark side in there because I am a Star Wars nerd. So there we go. But you know what this dark side is, it's actually having success and achieving the dream. Because what you'll often find is that success it isn't always unicorns and rainbows. And every new level of success brings a new level of problems. And because that is now you have to deliver, not just for your clients, but for your team, your family, yourself. And that is a heavy burden to face, especially when you feel like you have to bottle up all that stress and pressure that comes with it. So here's the reality of the dark side of success, the level of thinking, actions and brain power that got you to the point where you are today. It's not going to get you to the point where you want to be tomorrow. And that's why if you want to grow your company, it's you that needs to evolve first, which is exactly what my expert guest today is going to help you do. Now he is the author of the just released The Effective CEO, a speaker, mindset, and a high performance coach. And he helps CEOs evolve so they can handle the shadow size side of success by upgrading their brain power so you can ha- so they can handle this new level of pressure without crumbling or losing their composure. Now, as I said, you may recognize him for the recent uh, virtual hot seat, and as there were so many insights that he shared, I just had to get him back and have a little bit of a deeper dive into what he knows. So, delighted to welcome today onto the B2B Growth Think Tank, Byron Morrison. Byron, how are you doing?
0: Hey, from one Star Wars nerd to another, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me back on. Well,
1: well, we're going to have to do our best not to um, literally then take up the entire Show are uh, uh, all about Star Wars nerd. I've got my Stormtrooper clock in the background. I've got so much. Yeah, I've got my. Uh, yeah, as you can see, I'm a bit of a nerd. And if you're listening uh, on the uh, uh, on the podcast, I am just showing off some of my Star Wars memorabilia that I just love to have because I am a big kid at heart. I've and... behind
0: me as well, I've got <laughs> I've got a Darth Vader's ship like behind me yeah. on my bookshelf, and uh, yeah, a few other bits. So. Uh... Yeah, they bit of a fanboy thing from being a kid.
1: Yeah, um, I don't know about you, but I, I just literally watched the movies a million times and I can probably recite every single one of the original trilogy. Anyway, word for word, backwards. So yes, I absolutely, uh, yeah, I just love those films growing up. But um, yeah, and I, I don't know, maybe that's something, that's an interesting thing there that I guess I had no intention of sort of starting with really, but there's a sense of play in there. And I think sometimes when you're thinking about the topic that we are sort of going to discuss and all that kind of thing, do you find that that is something that we lose sometimes when we, I guess, not just grow up, but when the kind of people that you talk to and some of the things that we covered in that intro, do you, do you feel that that is something that can sometimes sort of creep in and affect the mindset of people?
0: hundred percent. If anything, I'd say I can't really think of a client that it hasn't affected in one way or another. I see so many CEOs or business owners who get so involved in their business that it just takes over their lives, that they forget to go out, to play, to have fun, to really embrace and enjoy life. And for me, it's such a shame because we spend so much time doing all of this hard work. And at the end of the day, if you're not enjoying life, what's the point? And I'll be the first to put my hand up, admit that I'm massively guilty of this as well. Like growing up, my biggest passion was always music and mm-hmm. playing in bands and playing live shows and all of that. And it's something that over the last five years, since I've been all in on this business, I let slip. And it was a very much, i tried to make an effort to fix that a few a year ago and then we got put into a full lockdown i just started another band and then it all got shut down but i've already arranged with a few people as soon as we're allowed back at the house we're going to start playing again so it's something i'm being very intentional about because i'm very mm-hmm. aware that we lose those passions and those hobbies and those interests and it's such a shame yeah and
1: um, i guess it's i don't know do you do you... <sighs> What do you think? Why do you think that happens? Apart from you know, it, it can become all-consuming. But it, is there something s- sort of specific that happens in the journey of that CEO that kind of that 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 causes that to happen? Do you see, or or is it just a, an amalgamation of or a compounding of challenges?
0: For me, in the people I speak to, the biggest contributing factor towards it is time. Because when you're running a business and you have so many different priorities and so many different challenges to face, it can feel like you're constantly bouncing around from one thing to the next. Mm -hmm. And there's always so much to get done that I find for a lot of people, more stuff is added to their to-do list faster than they can knock it off, which is why so often you'll find CEOs and business owners who will sacrifice their health, their relationship. It's always the things that matter most in life are the first to go even though they're really important to them, something always has to give. It's like this tug of war between what you want and what you need. And unfortunately at the back of that line comes your hobbies and your interests, especially as you get older. And if you have a family and kids and other priorities that you need to really put first, you taking some time for yourself just seems something that you can't do. Or even if you do do it, then you feel guilty. Mm. you're like, oh, I should be spending this time with my family or I should be working on the business. But I find for a lot of people, what they don't recognize is if they're not happy in themselves and they're not taking that time to really relax, they can't then show up properly in their business or with their family or whatever it may be. So actually, you could spin it in a way that actually you should feel guilty for not doing that because actually you're doing everything else at the service. So it's all about perspective.
1: Mm. Uh, So I mean, the term that comes to mind that is banded about is work-life balance. Do what do you think about that term? Is it is it something that is real or is it a unicorn that people are striving for? But you know, it's it's really it, it's it's not a realistic thing to strive for, but there's something else that you need to you need to kind of understand when it comes to that sort of work-life balance fable, as it were. Yeah.
0: In my opinion, work-life balance doesn't exist. or it doesn't exist in the form that most people view it because a lot of people think oh if I do four hours work I've then got to do four hours of balance and they try and do this huge act where it just simply is impossible and then they feel guilty or they get to a point where they'll spend four hours with their family but they'll be there physically but mentally they'll be checked out they'll be attached to their phone they'll be thinking about what they're doing and this is why, with my clients, and in my new book, *The Effective CEO*, I really introduce a concept that I call called work-life harmonization. And what this is is really building out your life in a way where you can get them firing together. And the best piece of advice I can give to anyone listening to this who's struggling with this right now is instead Which is probably of probably everybody the new- out there. <laughs> yeah. The usual thing is people kind of start their day and they're like, okay, today I'm going to try and exercise. Today I'm going to try and finish early to have date night with my partner, whatever it may be. But then life gets in the way, it gets busy and they have to cancel. And then today turns in tomorrow. That approach just doesn't work. And that's why we need to flip it on its head. And we need to instead start by thinking about what are the things in your life that matters most? What are your key non-negotiable priorities? And you schedule those first. And they get put into your diary and calendar the same way you would as a meeting with your biggest client, where unless it's an emergency, you're not going to cancel it. So if I give you a couple of examples, Mm. I like working out. It's how I de-stress and keep healthy. But I also like doing it during the day because I don't like going to the gym when it's busy in the morning or evening. So I have Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday blocked into my calendar from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. That's going to be my workout time. That way I know Everything else when I'm structuring my days so at that time's blocked off. It's the same as Thursday evenings. I do date night with my partner. So that time from 6 p.m. is blocked off. Nothing else can go in there. So really start by constructing your life around the things that are important to you. And only then do you introduce everything else. Mm. And it's such a simpler, easier way. I call it ideal life creation, where you start the foundation of figuring those key levers out. And that's how, for me, you really find that work-life harmonization.
1: So what happens if you don't do this? What, what, what are some of the things that you see happening as a result of not getting this right?
0: The biggest one is probably disconnected relationships. So many CEOs and business owners I speak to, they may be good at their business, but their personal life sucks. Like Their marriage is falling apart. They can't stay in a stable relationship. They're disconnected from the people around them. Or on the other side of that, their health suffers because they're not exercising, they're not sleeping properly, they're gaining weight, they're feeling burnt out. And it's one of those things that we feel like we're invincible and a lot of people try and push through it, but the reality is eventually something has to give. And as much as we like to think we're superheroes, we can all only take so much before it has diminishing returns. Mm -hmm. And that's really when your energy starts to... Window, you don't feel as good and as a side effect you then can't show up in your business because let's say you're having an argument with your wife and you two are going through a rough patch that is an energy and state of mind you'll then take into that meeting it'll be with you throughout the day when you're trying to work with your team or further that campaign whatever it may be it'll be tapping into your bandwidth and this is why it's so important to really focus on your life holistically And really figuring out where are the different areas that may there may be lag indicators that you need to double down on to fix before it actually sabotages everything else.
1: Mm. Because we are not we're not islands, as it were. And um, there is there is not one thing that you can compartmentalize. Nearly said that wrong. You know, we're we're not those kind. we're, We're not able to do that. Or most of us are not able to do that. Maybe some will claim they can They can just sort of go from one thing to the next. And, you know, you're this person at work, you're this person at home. Soon as the door shuts, bang, everything is switched off and I'm I'm here. Maybe there are some of those super freaks out there that can do that. But I know most of us are not. So what are some of the things apart from sort of thinking about the what you just gone through there about sort of prioritizing the important things when it comes to working in the business? What are some of the things that, that you see, I guess, let, let's flip it on its head. So what are some of the things that come up in the business that are, that, that are some of the most common things that start to creep into other areas of people's lives? And how do you help people sort of first of identify them, but then also sort of uh, you know, come up with a solution?
0: The interesting thing for that, for me, is really auditing what's going on in someone's life. Because one thing I found with clients is that with every new level of success brings a new level of problems, especially when you're in a situation where all of a sudden you have to lead a team, you have to keep stakeholders happy, you have to overlook operations, and then you also have to focus on growth. It's a huge amount to stack on top. And I find for so many CEOs, what this does is throw them into this cloudy mental chaos where they have all of these scattered thoughts, they're overthinking, they're starting to second guess themselves which is why in most businesses I found the biggest bottleneck is actually the CEO because their mindset and emotional control is preventing decisions from being made, opportunities are being lost and the business plateaus. Mm. And this is really why it's about coming in on a more micro level to understand where they're not showing up. Maybe they're not making decisions. Maybe they're difficult conversations that need to be had that they're avoiding for weeks at a time. Like that's something I see constantly with clients, especially when they first start working with me where they don't want the confrontation. So they'll avoid picking up the phone or having that talk with someone. I'd one person avoid firing someone for over six months just because he didn't want to have that meeting. So it's really about understanding where in their business, they're actually holding it back. Mm -hmm. And then on a deeper level, breaking through the mental blocks that are stopping them. Cause it may be a case that when they're completely scattered, and they're pulled in so many different directions i find a lot of the time that there's two solutions for that firstly actually having a plan like this sounds so obvious and we all know that we need to plan better but you'd be amazed at how many ceos i speak to who beyond having a rough idea of what they need to do have no plan of how they're going to approach their day everything is just reaction it's always a response to the challenge in front of them and when you're always in that reactive state You can't make the right decisions, you can't lead, and you're gonna be on that roller coaster. So really breaking it down to what you actually need to do, what's gonna drive the business forward, and then the second thing, trusting the people you've surrounded yourself with. Because while starting your business, you can get away with doing everything, as it grows, you have to learn to delegate, you have to be able to let go. And I'll speak to people quite regularly who will say, oh, but I need to be involved with that. Or if I want it done right, I have to do it myself, which for me says either they haven't hired the right people or they've got a fear that they need to pull the bandaid off Mm -hmm. and just give someone else a responsibility. Because I talk about this quite a bit in the opening of my book of knowing your zone of genius, of where in your business do you make the greatest impact? Where can you best leverage your time? And everything outside of that needs to be given to your team or someone else.
1: Mm -hmm. And... There's a couple of things that I could uh, sort of comment on in there, which are, in, yeah. the, <laughs> it does sound simple. Just have a plan. Sometimes we get so scattered and so overwhelmed with everything that's going on. I think that we get to a point where we think it's a waste of time actually making that plan or the, the time that is that, that would go into making that plan is a time that you could be working on something. And, and that becomes a loop. And I I say that from personal experience because, you know, the beginning of this whole um, pandemic, the lockdown, all that kind of thing, you know, I had a pretty good structure to my day, my week, you know, time blocking, I knew exactly, you know, KPIs that needed to be hit for things to happen with clients, attracting clients, blah, 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 all that kind of thing. That all went out the window in the pandemic and it went out the window because I didn't see it coming and I suddenly went from being very proactive to reactive and somebody with ADHD I'd got I'd gotten myself to that point where it was I was managing it and it was it was working and things were good the pandemic hits the structure goes out the window and suddenly my ADHD goes nuts I mentioned to you I accidentally wrote a book in 10 days like I shouldn't have done that Really shouldn't have done it because I should have been doing other things. But I kept saying to myself over and over and over, right, I, I should make a plan. I should make a plan. But I, get, I got so precious about the amount of time available. Every time I went to do it, I even put it in my calendar. All those sorts of things. I was so precious about the time that when it came yeah. to it, I was like, that story in my, or the loop in my brain was telling me, no, 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 you've just got to get this done. Worry about the plan later. And that was a loop that was going on. And it went on for a good six to eight months. I mean, is that, it, do, really do you hear that kind of that. Thing?
0: Yeah, constantly. I, and the thing that fascinates me is when you really audit someone's time, who says that they don't have the time to plan, and then how much time they waste on a day-to-day basis by being unfocused and just mm-hmm. dancing from one thing to the next. Like, I'll see it constantly in people who'll be like, I can't take 10 minutes in the morning to plan my day but then their day is just completely rushing around. And I talk about this a lot in my own content of when the majority of the time when someone tells me that they're overwhelmed, they're not overwhelmed, they're underplanned. And the reason being is they have all of these scattered racing thoughts. They're in this reactive state and they just don't know how to control it. And that's why the best advice I can give to anyone listening to this is if you're feeling overwhelmed, what you need to do is disconnect from everything get a pen and paper, and write down everything that's going on in your head. Just without overthinking it, do a mental brain, um, brain dump and write down all of your thoughts and ideas. The reason being is you can then consciously disconnect. By getting it down in front of you, you can then actually start to process it. So it goes from being the scattered jumble thoughts in your head to you being able to see it clear, clear clearly in front of you. And then you can go through a point by point to be like, okay, what do I need to do? What action do I need to take? And it goes from being this big, scary, stressful thing to being like, oh, that's all I need to do. Mm. Like it happens all of the time in client sessions where, especially when people are starting out with me and they're like, oh, I'm so overwhelmed. I have so many things to do. And we just take 10 minutes to sit and be like, okay, talk to me about what you need to get done. We make a list and be like, okay, what you have to do for that, that, that? Takes a few minutes and like, oh, suddenly they're calm. They're like, I can do that. Mm. Whereas... Without that, they'd spend hours, if not days, in this heightened stress state, worrying about it. And this is why people overcomplicate it. A lot of the time, the simple solutions are the most effective.
1: Mm. Absolutely. And and it's interesting that what you described there is it's similar to what I did. I I remember reading, a, 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 or, or one of my mentors gave me a, a book called Willpower Doesn't Work um, Benjamin Hardy, yeah, and he talks too. about changing the environment and the importance of changing the environment. And I used to do this a lot. So you know, I, I work from my home office, which is in the garden, and it's a fantastic setup. I love it, etc. However, sometimes you need to change the environment. You need to either get out into the world. You need to shift it because your mind just gets comfortable in, in, in just literally your surroundings. So, we were in lockdown, but it was it was basically during that really small window where <laughs> we were allowed to go and do a few other things. So I took myself off for a day and it bloody hurt, literally just opening the door because I was like, I've got lots to get do-, you know, done and all the rest of it. And I took like half a day in, in, in the end. And I went to somewhere where I could sit outside, have a coffee with a pen and paper. I didn't take my laptop and I just went like, right, what do I need to do? What are all my ideas? What is going on in my head? And I put it all down. Okay. Suddenly things started to open up. Okay. Well, I can get rid of this. I can do this. What about this? Blah, 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 blah. blah. It, was, it was very, very different coming back. And I went back to the time blocking and stuff. And some of it slipped again and, and all the rest of it. But I try not to beat myself up about it. But it's one of those interesting things that you can get very good at getting into a habit and and I'm sure you see it all the time in other areas. It's like, you can go on a diet and then you have one biscuit and think, Oh, well, that's it. And you eat the whole packet. Or maybe that's just me, but it's the same sort of thing when it comes to this sort of stuff. It's like, you you can be so disciplined, or maybe I'm just talking for myself. I don't know, but you can be so disciplined, so focused. You can be well-planned and then something comes in or you you muck something up and it all gets a little bit out out of muddle. And then you just throw the baby out of the bathwater.
0: I think that's every single one of us. I think uh, speaking for every, probably every person listening to this, I think we're all guilty <laughs> of that. And the problem is, I find we're far too hard on ourselves. Like a lot of the time, this is a problem, especially if you're a high achiever. You put some invisible standard and expectation on yourself that everything has to be perfect, which is a huge problem because even if you do get it all right, you've got such this high standard for yourself, you just like, oh, well, I should have done that. So there's no kind of accomplishment. But if mm-hmm. you fall short, then you really beat yourself up. And this is why the core of all of my messaging and everything I try and do with clients and in my business is all about getting people to focus on controlling the controllable because life's never going to go according to plan. Things are never going to work out perfectly the way that you're expected. But the one thing that you can always control is how you respond to every situation. And that means embracing the good and the bad. And when you have setbacks and challenges and mistakes, recognizing that you really have two choices, you can either dwell on it. You can live in the past and beat yourself up, which you can't undo what happened. So you're just going to waste more time and energy on it, or you can make a decision. Okay. This is what I need to do going forward. Mm -hmm. Same problem, same situation, a completely different mentality of looking at it. And one's going to hold you back and one's going to push you forward. And your biscuit example is a perfect one because as a former fat kid, I used to have really bad relationships with food and it was just like, I'd have a biscuit and then all of a sudden the whole pack would go and I'd just be a huge junk food addict. And such a big part of that is that restriction mm. where you say to yourself, okay, I can't have it. So you're relying so much on willpower. But we only have so much willpower in us till we snap. And then you have one you give in. It's like, screw it. It's all undone. Yeah. The amount of, I used to work as a personal trainer and in weight loss. And every single person is the same with that. And that's why I'm all about flipping it on its head. It's the same with the work-life balance and harmonization. Rather than trying to be perfect, it's about figuring out, okay, what do you really want and what's sustainable? Mm. Because if you can't stick to it, then and it's not something you can do long term then what's the point? Because that's the other thing, isn't it? About making plans.
1: About making plans. You've got to make, yeah, it's not just make a plan. It's make a plan that you actually want to follow. Because there's no point, like me, for example, I can't stand running. Like I would not go out and you know run 10k. I mean I've done it and I've tried. I bloody hate it. So I do other things to keep fit. I mountain bike, I play football and, and all that kind of thing. But I couldn't go out and just run like that would set me up for failure because I'd do it a couple of times and i go, this is crap. I'm not going to do it again. Or as soon as it rained, I'd be like, I'm not doing that. Not interested. Yeah. And then, you know, it's, it's a very much, I don't know if it's sort of the, uh, the ADHD in me. I'm very all or nothing. And it's kind of like a, a similar kind of thing. Like if you break it and then, you know, it's all gone. It's like all, nothing, all, nothing. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs, whether they are ADHD diagnosed or not, we are very much in that sort of mindset. It's like we are going all in or we are going nothing, you know, go hard or go home. And that's a mindset that I have encountered a lot with people I work with. I encounter it myself and all the rest of it. And it's, it was only sort of like the, the whole sort of seeing the world through the lens of, of ADHD. And I was diagnosed in my early thirties and I did a lot of reading, being ADHD, hyper-focusing, blah, 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 blah. And just got really into understanding sort of that, the way that the mind works and the brain works and and sort of all different. But it's, it's, it's kind of like if you, you, you think having structure is restrictive, but actually having structure is free. And that's one of the things I think that we, as, as, as entrepreneurs, because we got into this for the freedom that it offers, we think that that is surrendering in a way. I don't know, maybe. But the yeah, I mean, putting it, there's, there's, there's an awful lot of stuff in there. And I think the other point that I was trying, that I wanted to remember to, to mention on the point we came up ages ago, but it's, it's like, what do you do in your day? And, and what are your key things that are going to move the needle? What do you think are, if you had to sort of say as a CEO, what are the four things that you should absolutely do within your business? Like if there were just four things or three things.
0: It's going to depend on that individual superpower. Like I don't think there's a one size fits all answer in this one. And this is where it really comes down to the self-awareness of where is your expertise? Because let's say for instance, like one of my tech CEO clients, the things that he needs to be doing is he's the face of the company. He They're going through a big investing round at the moment. So the things he needs to be doing is seeing, doing pitches. He needs to be building relationships with VCs and he needs to be working on business strategy. So for him, that's where his time should be. I've got another client who's the face of the brand. So his superpower is creating content. It's in doing videos. It's how they generate sales. It's how they get the word out there. But again, when him and I started working together, his time was so taken up by doing administrative tasks. He was being pulled into meetings. He was writing copy for his website, which was hugely problematic for two reasons. Mm-hmm. Firstly, he wasn't getting his creative work done. And secondly, it was leaving his team in limbo because mm-hmm. they needed his creative work done to push it out there and do their own jobs, which mm-hmm. is why we you need to audit yourself and really think where in the business is your expertise most needed Where does your time have the greatest impact? And that's going to be different for everyone. Because if you're a CEO who's fantastic at marketing, it needs to be in that area. If it's fantastic at building relationships, sales, there's really no one-size-fits-all answer of, okay, these are the key areas every CEO needs to be involved in. But I do believe they need to figure out where their expertise is needed most, and that needs to be most of their time,
1: mm-hmm. because I think that yeah, you're right. It does depend on the the, the, the superpower that each individual ha- individual has. And I often sort of say, look, you don't see Richard Branson answering, um, you know, customer service calls, do you? you know, that's that's a CEO, and he, he you know he has some of you know the things that he ha- does are all about his superpower. Like he does the publicity thing; he's the face of Virgin. Um, he, you know, he, he kind of comes up with the ideas, but then he's very good at just delegating them out and getting them done. He knows when to step away. So he's kind of like that visionary and he guides that strategy, but he also is the, the, the deal maker at the high level. And it's like, you know, that is what he does. He also creates content, although he doesn't, he gets other people to ghostwrite for him, but he does a lot of that sort of, you know, um, you know, he's interviewed for his books and all the rest of it. But um, you know, there are some key things that you will see similarities when you look at some of the top CEOs and the things that they do with their time, they're not as I say, they're not they're not in the weeds. They are not doing the the the, the stuff that can be done by other people and delegated and ultimately you don't want to be doing anyway. So um yeah. I think coming on to actually the the virtual hot seat question is quite a nice sort of segue because we are going to be talking um, ideas around, I guess, content and all the rest of it. So, hey, it's Adam. Now, just a quick one before we dive into today's virtual hot seat, because as the core philosophy behind the show is a rising tide lifts all ships, I'd love to invite you to come and hang out with me, my guests and other business owners and directors of established businesses with a track record of providing good, solid service and a positive reputation in their market inside the B2B Growth Think Tank community, where we all connect, solve problems and help each other grow more profitable businesses. As free to join, so come along, join us at thinklikeafish.co.uk forward slash think tank group. I look forward to welcoming you, but first, let's get to today's virtual hot seat. What has come in this week is a question around, it's quite a short one, actually, but it's it's short and concise enough, I think, that um, it, it's going to open up a lot of sort of areas. And I know that this is uh, something near and dear to you as well. So today's um, virtual hot seat challenge is how do I come up with content ideas, publish more consistently and choose the right channels when it comes to promoting my recruitment firm. So this is somebody with a recruitment firm. We don't know size, we don't know resources or the rest of it. But what, what, when it comes to that sort of challenge that somebody has at the moment, what, what are the, some of the first things that come to mind for you?
0: I think with this question, it would be really important to break this into three separate questions because I think there's three different answers in there. And starting with the easiest one is the channels figure out where is your target market. Like if it's a recruitment firm, my assumption would be, it's going to be LinkedIn. Distribution time, figure out a schedule and stick to it, whether or not you want to use something like Hootsuite and just schedule something in the morning. So you've got posts going out throughout the day, or you want to set a reminder in your phone. You can do that at various different times, just get it out there. Again, those are the basics, but I think a lot of people overthink them. Mm. And then, as for the determining content as well, this is something I love because this is, I said to you before, I like, guess is one of my big passions and I see so many people struggling to create content because they're overthinking it. The I don't know about you, but for me on a foundational level when creating content, the easiest way to get ideas is to think about what are your target market struggling with? So because it's a recruitment consultant, I would think get them to think about what questions are they being asked on a regular basis? What are people wanting to know about? What concerns do they have? What mistakes are they making? I'd also challenge them to get a notepad and pen. And whenever someone has a problem or has an issue or something comes to mind, write it down. And then even as a step on from there, just tell stories. Like you can talk about, you don't have to give details and names and everything else. But if you deal with someone who had a particular challenge, chances are other people are going to have the same problems and you can just tell those stories back. Mm
1: yeah and and i agree with all of that and i think that when it comes to it, it all comes around like what is your client or potential client going to be interested in far too many times we think right i've got to create content and then you just sort of you know spew stuff out that you you think people are going to be interested in all the rest of it so yeah absolutely thinking where are they where are they hanging out and What questions are you being asked? And if you are not necessarily being asked enough questions, go out and ask your clients, your market, go and actually talk to them, ask them, you know, industry trends, what's going on. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be all around recruitment, what's going on in their world. And and sometimes that's some of the best content. It's not actually directly about what you do. It's more about what's going on for them in their business around the industry or, or whatever's going on, and I think that that's that's something we sometimes forget if we just dive straight in to creating content. And and what I like about this is it kind of comes a little bit full circle with with some of what we've discussed earlier. And that is, before you think about any of this, why are you doing it? Let that be my first question. Why do you want to create content? Yep. And that would be. I would assume answered with a lot of the reasons why, et cetera, et cetera, but we don't know what they are. But if it is like the the goal of creating content is what to become more visible, what does that mean? Like what are your what are your metrics going to be around it? Like, how are you going to know if this is going to be successful when it comes to investing all this time that you may or may not have creating this content or even investing in others creating it for it is going to take time or money. So why are you doing it? What is your goal? And then what is your plan? See the full circle thing going on. It's like, what is your plan to achieve the goal? Where does content fit in that plan? It's not necessarily content for content's sake. And I think if if there was one thing out there that I could sort of like help people see, it's like when people say content is king, they're missing quite a lot of the actual point of that. Content is king, but only when it's relevant to your, market and only when it's relevant to what it is going, what you actually want it to do for your business. So if if you can find out that there are better ways of actually achieving the goal that you're trying to achieve, maybe content isn't the right thing. What is your offer? Who is your target market? Do you need to be chucking? There's very successful businesses that don't put tons and tons of content. Yes, there is content out there. But I think what I read into this was regular posting, social media, et cetera, et cetera. And that is, I've heard the term, the hamster wheel, the content hamster wheel of death because it can become that. Maybe you don't need to. Maybe you need to invest in some key pieces of content, like flagship content that you'll dine out on for a year. Yeah. An example is writing a book. You've done this. Like This is a way of creating content that can have benefits that roll out over and over and over again. But that is a marquee, a flagship piece of content. And you will have had a plan I behind
0: that. couldn't agree more. One thing I'd also like to add in as well is a lot of people feel like they have to keep reinventing the wheel. So like, oh, I need to keep making content over and over. Whereas what you said of building out your flagship content, you could get 12 to 15 questions and ideas. And you could just keep recycling the content. Like a lot of people make a piece of content, they'll post it once and then just forget about it and move on. Mm. Whereas most people aren't going to see it. So you can just keep using it over time. And also people as well, this is one of the biggest traps. And I'll I'll put my hand up and admit that I fell into this in the past as well. Of Having that fear that you're repeating yourself. Like a lot of people worry, like, oh, if I've spoken about this already, I can't keep saying it. Whereas people have such small attention spans and I can't remember the exact statistic. There was a study or something on this. I think it was someone needs to hear something seven times in different ways until they connect with it. Mm -hmm. So you need to say the same things over and over, just word it slightly different. So it might feel repetitive to you, but it's going to drive the point home to your listener. And on a mindset block, even further, one of the biggest uh, problems I'll see people um, worrying about is that so they're not unique. They'll be like, oh, I can't talk about this because that person's already talking about it. Like You don't need to re- reinvent the wheel. Like There's nothing new. What people are going to buy is you. They're going to buy your personality, your approach, and who you are. It's the same reason if you go on TikTok or LinkedIn or Facebook or whatever, any topic, you're probably going to find hundreds if not thousands of people talking about the same thing. And you're Even if you think right now of someone that you really like, like anyone listening to us, I'm sure you've got thought leaders or people who talk about topics that interest you. They're not going to be the only people who talk about that, but you probably listen to them because you like who they are. You've become associated with that. And it's going to be exactly the same for this recruitment consultant. So if they've got a fear of, oh, I don't want to be, look like everyone else. Your differentiator is you. I think it's so important to remember hundred
1: percent. And it's, it's, yeah, it's a mind block thing. It's like, well, it it depends. Well, some people will have different mind mind blocks around all sorts of different things. It's like, well, who's going to listen to me, blah, blah, blah. What do I got to offer, et cetera, et cetera. That's one side of things. And then the other is I want to make sure it's perfect. I am so knowledgeable. I want the world to know that and I will not put anything out until it is a hundred percent perfect. Right. And there's, you know, it's almost too, extremes on on the same sort of spectrum and so you've got to kind of like i i'm almost sort of thinking that the 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 question itself like how do i come up with content ideas how do i publish consistently there's something in though you know the way that that is worded a little bit is that there's a bit of there is a bit of fear in it because (laughs) the way that you come up with ideas is You know, it's simple. Like there there are multiple different ways of doing it. The number one is go and talk to your clients. The other one is go and look at what other people are talking about, you know, in the target market that you actually want to go and speak to. Another way is go and look on, um, you know, Reddit sites, Quora sites, look on Amazon for book reviews and see what people are asking questions about. There's so many ways of coming up with ideas. That's not the problem. The problem is consistency, if that is what you're wanting to do. But it's just implementation a lot of the time. And just accept that not everything that you put out is going to be a, you know, Pulitzer Prize winning piece of literature potentially or, a, you know, an Oscar winning performance on video. Like, it's not going to happen. But you know
0: what Couldn't it will long.
1: happen if you don't do it? Nothing. <laughs> like nothing if anything,
0: this is a... This is a challenge that one of my coaches gave me a few years ago. And I'd love to pass this on to everyone listening to this where I had this perfectionism thing where it would take me hours to do a short video and I just keep redoing it over and over again. And I was just stuck in my own head and he challenged me for 30 days straight to just do a Facebook live and whatever it was, think of the topic for the day and just hit play and record. And the reason why that's so important is firstly, it you get your confidence up. Secondly, every video you do, you're going to get better. Like your first one's probably going to suck and that's okay. Like no one's really going to watch it anyway. Like you're starting out, you're going to build your brand over time. And also people connect with the human to human things. So if you're kind of mumbling your words or you're not perfect, it makes you more relatable. Whereas if you've got everything perfect, it's less relatable. So actually the opposite of that fear people have. And also, then you just hit record and it's done in two, three minutes and you put it out there. So rather than it taking hours and you're overthinking it, and then after that 30 days, you can go back through and you can see, okay, what got engagement, what was interesting, what did people like? And then you can really break that down. And going back to planning again, you can put together a plan going forward of what worked, what didn't, what do I need to do more of? Mm, That's this ever evolving thing.
1: Yeah. And that is the the key to a lot of this. It's it's you actually have to what's the book? Feel the fear and do it anyway. Sometimes when it comes to this sort of thing, uh, you know, another t- or, or on the opposite is, you know, ditch the perfection and do it anyway. <laughs> like it's it, it it's two sides of the same coin, you know, kind of. But you, you, you've if content and as we said earlier, if content is the thing that you have seen or identified in your business that is going to be the thing that moves the lever, the, you know, the the biggest towards the goal that you have set yourself, then absolutely there are multiple ways that you can do it, et cetera. Um, there are, you know, God, there are services out there that will create some of your content for you. There's services out there. I've had um, Amy Woods on this podcast and on the, um, uh, the, 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 the relaunch of the BB Growth Think Tank. Her entire business is about repurposing content. Don't, you know, if you're you're wanting to sort of think, how do I do content consistently? Well, the easiest one is to go and talk to a company like that, because they will help you literally create the content once and they will repurpose it. And then you don't have to worry about consistency because they're doing it for you. You know, there are so many different options. Maybe the funds aren't there, whatever. But if you have identified content as a thing that's going to move the needle an investment in that is going to produce an ROI.
0: Also, if you want to go into multiple channels, playing into that, another simple method you could do, this is something I used to do in the past, is set aside 30 minutes a day, record a short video. This could be anything from five to 10 minutes or whatever long you want to make it. Then from there, you put that video out on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, whatever that may be. You can strip the audio away from it, whack it on Anchor and put it out as a podcast and then you can take some of the text from the, that turn into email to your newsletter. And you can even take chunks out of that and turn that into text posts to put on all the channels. So it's not going to take you more than 30 minutes a day once you get into that system. And you've just created 10 to 20 pieces of content off the back of one short video. And if you've put sat down, like if I look at my messaging for my business, I've got about 15 key pain points, which are the issues that I talk about. And the only things I talk about when it comes to kind of mindset and performance fall into that realm. Mm-hmm. I will do a combination of lifestyle posts and fitness and outside the business to show personality in a different side. But I always know that that's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So for the recruiter, that could be mistakes people are making challenges, best practices, issues in the industry, what people need to get better at, how to perform better in interviews, whatever it may be, make your list. And then every day just pick one and talk about it
1: Mm. and then just
0: repurpose it.
1: Absolutely. And, um, you know, something that I use with, um, with, with clients is something I call the, um, the results flywheel. And it's, it's kind of like, you mentioned, you've got sort of 15 topics, like, like I've got with the growth accelerator ecosystem, there's three stages and nine parts and every piece of content that I create can be linked back into one of those parts. So it's kind of like, you know, frequently asked questions, problems, um, challenges, processes to achieve a goal, all that kind of thing. It's like, right, I'm just going to pick one if I want to create the content. I mean, the majority of content I create comes from this podcast anyway. And I naturally am having the conversations around those types of things. And I can always link it back into my flywheel. But that structures things. And I have a structure, you know, if I want to record videos or something like that, it's like, it's quite a structured way of doing it. But that is a plan like having that plan is so vital but you don't if you don't have that and you haven't said right these are the things and you can say and talk about one thing you know i don't know uh let's talk you know uh client attraction lead generation (laughs) my god like if that was one part i can talk you know there are hundreds and hundreds of ways of talking about that in a you know in, in different ways. And I'm sure it's the same for you with the things that you have. There are so many nuances around it. And you talk about the same thing over and over and over, as you said. So there's there's a lot of um, a lot of ways that we can look at content. I think the, the, the key thing is, as we said at the beginning, is it the thing that is going to move the needle right now? And if it is, great, go and do it. But maybe ask yourself that question before you jump in and, and Literally commit everything to it. So, um, oh, thank you. Um, that was that was that was good fun. I I enjoyed that one. And uh, yeah, I know we uh, we had a bit of practice, didn't we? The other week when uh, we had the uh, the live as well. So that was um, that was good. Now, but before we go this time, um, what I want to make sure is um, you know we sort of talk a little bit about um, you know we, we've we've heard about I guess the, the the way your mind works, but now let's talk about how your business works. And what is, the, what is the, uh, the, the, the ideal kind of clients that you work with and what is that core problem that you help them
0: solve? So I predominantly work with CEOs and business leaders who find themselves in a situation where their new level of success is bringing new levels of problems. Is now on top of focusing on growth, they have to lead and manage a team, overlook operations, keep stakeholders happy. And because of it, they're stretched thin. They don't know what to focus on. And because of it, they're stuck in their own head, where they're overthinking, they're overwhelmed, they're procrastinating, and they're really not showing up as the leader they need to be. So it's really my job to come in. I'm not a business coach, so I don't get involved with telling them how to run their business. At the end of the day, they're CEO for a reason. It's my job to come in and actually shift their focus away from the business and put it on them to really figure out how do they need to evolve within themselves to handle that new level of success. And the way we then do it is I've got something called my Evolve program, which is focusing on three key pillars of taking their mindset, their emotional control, and their performance to the next level. Because by doing that, I can help clients evolve within themselves to become a more confident, grounded, and effective decision-making leader who can then handle the pressures of running and growing a business so the work that we do is all about putting them back in control of their role so they can break through to that next level of impact, income and success.
1: Yeah. And, and I think that there's, there's, a, there's something that comes to mind hearing that. And it is, um, I can't, it might have been, it was either one of my, my coaches' mentors or, um, or I heard it on a podcast somewhere. And it was something along the lines of your real rate of business growth will always be restricted by your level of personal growth. And I think if there was one thing that people took from this conversation and I guess understanding, I think, what, what you do, Byron, is that really you, there, there are invisible ceilings in business growth that we are not aware of. And usually it's because of the person at the top.
0: Yeah. it's one of my favorite things as well. Of your business growth will never outgrow your inner growth. And I find that for so many entrepreneurs and business owners, they get into the cycle where things aren't working and they're like, I need more strategies or my strategy is broken. So they bounce around from one thing to the next, trying to find some miracle cure. Whereas pro- chances are the strategy is not the problem because it's the same reason why you can give 100 people exactly the same strategy, yet they all get vastly different results. The difference between them is the mindset and emotional control of the performance executed of the person executing it because you can have the best strategy in the world. But if you don't have the confidence to follow through, it's not going to work. Or you can have the perfect plan, but if you're stressed and overwhelmed and reacting and jumping around, it's not going to work. That's why you really need to focus on that foundational level of how you need to evolve within yourself to push to that next level. And it's why, just like we spoke about earlier, in my experience, the bottleneck in most businesses is the CEO. Because when they're in their own head and decisions don't get made, opportunities get lost. That's when the business falls apart. So even though it may feel like they need to be focusing on the business, they actually need to be focusing on themselves.
1: Hundred percent. And um,
0: yeah, I, I I didn't really get
1: how important this all was until I started doing my own thing. Like I had i read some books, some help self help books, and everyone's read um you know probably think and grow rich and, uh, you know, all those sorts of books, but I, d- I don't think it's until you actually are, are in it that you really appreciate how important it is. Cause I can look back on so many of the struggles that I've had and it's, it's all in your head. Yeah. It's all there.
0: I was exactly the same. So I couldn't agree more. Like when I first started my business and I was, uh, I written my first best selling book and I had a business focusing on helping people lose weight and get their health on track. I had knew nothing about psychology and mindset really. So I could start that business wanting to create an impact and change the world. And instead I found myself in a situation where my days were putting out fires, solving other people's problems and dealing with never ending demands. And I was a stressed, burnt out and overwhelmed wreck. And I got to the point that I was resenting my business. I remember looking at my calendar just with this feeling of dread over the next challenge I was going to face. And instead of feeling like I was making a difference in the world, I was just absolutely miserable. And that was when I first started seeing how many other CEOs and business leaders were in the same situation I was. But on the other end of the spectrum, I saw these other leaders who had it all together. So I knew there had to be a way. And that was where I first started learning about psychology and mindset and high performance. And I found a passion in a completely different field. Mm. And it was only once I got out of my own head and I got the overwhelm and the stress and everything else under control that I really start helping other business owners do the same thing mm-hmm. because for me, my big mission in life is I believe that by helping CEOs really perform at a higher level, I can then help them help other people change their lives for the better. Mm-hmm. So it's this kind of domino effect by getting them to show up better in their business together. We can change the world.
1: Yeah. And and I agree with that hundred percent because if at the end of the day, it is a vehicle, that goes beyond just making money, it's making impact. And it has an impact on the people that you help and you work with like clients, but it also, you know, your team, your staff that, you know, the ripple effect goes on and on and on. Which means that if you are the bottleneck, you are not just restricting yourself, you're restricting the potential of everybody that that ripple effect could effectively impact. So there's, yeah, I mean, if anyone's listening to this and, and actually thinking this is making a lot of sense because it should it really should, then byronmorrison.com is is your website and you know, they, they can check out the book there. One thing I uh, that's just popped into my head before I let you go, and I probably should have asked this earlier, what's your daily practice? Or do you have a daily practice or a weekly practice that you have? What does yours look like, just as an example?
0: So with, for me, this is something I get all of my clients to do as well. So this is something that I would recommend everyone does is, My mornings used to begin with that immediate rush of checking email, getting on the phone, jumping straight into fires. And the problem with that is you're immediately going into a reactive heightened state where you're already feeling overwhelmed and stressed before the day begins. And that's why one of the biggest turning points of my life over the last few years has been taking back control of my morning. It's about giving myself 30 minutes every single morning where I'll get up, won't touch screens or electronics. I'll hop on the exercise bike for 10 minutes, get the body moving, I'll have some coffee, I'll do some breathing, ease into the day, and then I'll start planning what I'm getting done. And one practice I find incredibly powerful that I incorporate for clients as well is every single morning consciously going through who you need to show up as, really thinking ahead, what are your challenges? Who is that best version of yourself? What are your goals? Why are you doing this? And bringing all of that into alignment Because I find for a lot of business owners, they lose sight of that or they get so caught up in the everyday shuffle that they lose that spark and that passion. And that's why every single morning, it's about consciously thinking about what are your bigger goals? What's your vision? What are you trying to create? Because that's why every single one of us has bad days. We all have mornings where we haven't slept properly or we're just not in the mood and we don't feel like it. So if you start your day by consciously going through, okay, why am I doing this? What is that big passion and purpose? Who is it I need to become? That ignites that fire that you can then take with you into everything you do. And when you do that every single day, it compounds and stacks on top. And yeah, that's why I'm such a firm believer that your mornings will make or break the rest of your day. And then, yeah, there's various practices and rituals that also do throughout the day just to keep that momentum flowing that begins with that first step.
1: And, and and
0: again i i
1: can trace back a lot of the challenges that i faced you know, i've i've historically never been a morning person I, i've always struggled having kids will change the fact that you have to get up early but i've i, I noticed that when i had a, a a morning ritual when i had when i was getting up before you know my my daughter now um there are two which came with its own set of challenges but that was an example for I had a a structure and all the rest of it, but then my second daughter was born and it just blew all that out of the water and it took me far too long to put a new one in and adjust to the actual, I was still trying to do the old one when reality was now quite different and I saw things suffer as a result. So definitely agree with you. Like I still hate mornings. I still hate getting up early, but the difference is, when you actually have a structure to it. And yeah, as you say, the first thing you do is not go on your phone or whatever and actually have something whereby it's going to set the day up hundred percent, hundred percent agree. So anybody listening, what, what kind, how can we help you out and how can anyone listening help you out? How can we, um, yeah, is, is there any kind of collaboration, um, partnership that you would be looking for um or you know just a a general way of of maybe you know spreading the word about the book for example if there's anyone listening that's sort of thinking yep byron's a cool cool sounding guy not necessarily you know write what i want to do but i'd like to help him out in some way
0: oh that's a good question um for me at the moment um i think my big thing is obviously trying to push and promote the book so i'm booking more podcasts and doing more interviews and appearances like this one so if anyone's kind of running anything like that and you think do you know what actually this is something that would be of interest i'd love to come add value to their audiences i feel like the episode we did today there was a ton of actionable insights that people can take away and apply to their lives so yeah if anyone kind of wants to know more about that get in touch or yeah alternatively if anyone has any questions just feel free to follow me on LinkedIn or Facebook where I do daily videos and guides and posts, just sharing my knowledge and thoughts. So yeah, just reach out and get in touch.
1: Awesome. And um, yeah, I'll all the links. Um, and it's, it's Byron, B-Y-R-O-N, not Brian, as, as we had that conversation <laughs> about before, wasn't it? That yeah. Your, your name often gets uh, mispronounced, but, um, yeah, go and, um, check Byron out on uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, all those kind of things, links in the show notes, all that kind of thing. And, and yeah, check out the book, um, you know, if you if you check it out you like it make sure you tell somebody else about it because honestly what I, I think honestly what we have discussed here um, it really is the difference between somebody being not just successful but successful and happy because you could be successful and miserable and if you get this right and you sort of work on this side of things it's different and it's night and day um, so I encourage anyone Check out what Byron does. Have a look at his stuff. If you never buy a thing from him in, in your life, follow him. Follow his advice. I think, yeah, you, what you do is is important. And um, yeah, I just hope that everybody goes and checks it out and explores a little bit more. So, um, thank you ever so much for joining me again. It's been good to have a little bit more one-on-one focus and and really delve. I find this fascinating. Yeah, fascinating. This subject. So, I, I could go for hours,
0: but I'm not. So
1: thank you ever so much for joining me. appreciate you
0: having me on. That was a ton of fun.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, we'll speak soon. And uh, to everyone listening, have an awesome day. So that's it for this episode. I hope you found it valuable. I hope you got some great ideas that you can take away and apply to your business to help you grow. If you did, please share it with somebody else that might also find this valuable because they will thank you for it. Also, to let you know that I have a podcast gift page where I put a lot of resources that I love to share with my listeners. You can find the links to join the Facebook community there and you can get my book, the Conversational Relationship Marketing and the audiobook version all for free, plus a number of other resources I'll be adding over time on that page. So make sure you head there to thinklikeafish.co.uk forward slash podcast gift and you can help yourself to the things that make most sense to you. And if you have enjoyed the show, please make sure you're subscribed. You'll get updated as the new episodes come out. And finally, last favor, please consider giving the show your honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I read every single one. They mean the world for me. I love hearing from my listeners and it does help others find the show as well. So if you want to go and do that, I'd really appreciate it. Until next time, have an awesome day and we'll speak soon.